right. Good morning, Sci Life Church. Again, my name is Pastor Derek. I'm the small groups pastor here at Sci Life. Uh, I just want to say welcome to you all that are here watching with us. If this is your first time, definitely welcome you here on this online platform that we have. Maybe you've been watching consistently over time. And for you, I want to welcome you back uh, to serving and worshiping with us in this way. I know we have been outstandingly, uh, overwhelmingly blessed by beautiful worship uh, from our worship and our tech team. They do an outstanding job leading us into the presence of God through worship. And I just want to just give a shout out to them for just the beautiful work that they do to give us this platform that we can actually hear and see from the comforts of our homes. And so, you know, one of the things that I want you to do right now, I want you to just take a very brief moment and I want you to share this particular broadcast. If you haven't shared yet, take this time to share right now. And here's the reason why. See, it's not about just sharing for the sake of sharing. This platform that God has given us in social media, we can actually share our faith. It gives us opportunity to bring people in to what we believe. And because there's so many people right now in this world, as Chad alluded to, uh, that are hurting. There are people that are struggling when they're financed. There's people that are struggling in their marriages. There are people that are fighting depression, all kinds of things. And from the comforts of your home, with just a press of a button, you can put this message out. And it's my prayer that something be said today that will draw someone nearer to God, that they may be pulled out of whatever this funk is that they could potentially be in. And it doesn't always have to be that. Somebody else may just want to join in and rejoice and praise with us. But we definitely want to give us an opportunity to do that. So I I pray that you got a chance to do that right now. So one of the things I want to talk about, right, you know, we just finished this series uh, that Pastor Bob did a couple of weeks ago, and it was a series on decisions. And it was so good. It was so uh, heartfelt and rewarding because what it did, it helped us align our decision making with God. And we make our decisions based on what we see in God's word. And that was amazing. And then last week, our, our own worship pastor, Pastor Chad, did an outstanding job of telling us, even if God doesn't, how do we react when we give way to God, when our faith allows God to do what he wants to do, to have sovereignty in our lives, and that our faith will allow us to trust him no matter what, even if the outcome doesn't look like what we would want the outcome to be. And and, and then so today, you know, Pastor Bob has been so gracious to share this platform with myself, Chad, Josh, and others, uh, and he's very humble in, in, in giving us an opportunity to do that. And so he said that I could preach what I wanted to preach. And, you know, I was trying to figure out, like, what in the world do I do? We're not in a sermon series. And then the Holy Spirit led me to what we're going to study today. And it's Acts chapter 13. And we're going to spend most of our time, Acts 13, starting at the 13th verse. And we'll work our way down to like the 42nd verse. Uh, But let me give you a little background while you get your Bibles open, while you open your Bible apps to Acts chapter 13. Let me give you a little background of what's going on in Acts 13. So here we have a lot of prophets and leaders in the church. And they are in the church of Antioch and they're prophets and church leaders and teachers. 
Paul and Barnabas being one of those or two of those, Paul was referred to as Saul at this beginning. And at the end of the book, he took on his name, Paul, and he kept it through the rest of the time. But anyway, this group of prophets, they were together in Antioch and they were praying and they were fasting and worshiping God. And in the midst of their prayers and worshiping God, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. And particularly, he said, to set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So if you think about this, Barnabas and Paul were along with other prophets and teachers worshiping, fasting, and praying, and they heard a word from God that called them out from amongst these other men and gave them something that God had set them apart to go and do. And this was known as Paul's first missionary journey, called out. You know, you'll hear us talk about definitions. And one definition that we use is the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, those that have been called out and set apart for a purpose which God has set for us to do. And so that's kind of what we're going to look at. Well, what is this mission? What is this thing that God had called Barnabas and Paul out to go do? And so and that's what we're going to kind of talk about. So after they had prayed and after they had fasted, now the, the, the people got around Paul and Barnabas and they put their hands on them and they prayed over them and then they sent them out. By the laying on the hands, it was a confirmation that the Holy Spirit was upon them and it set them apart to go do a particular thing. And so being, with the, being filled with the Holy Spirit, they went out. And they went to this island of Cyprus, and it's a little eastern Mediterranean island, and they went all over the island and proclaiming the gospel in Jewish synagogues. And part of this, at the beginning of chapter 13, they came across a sorcerer, a false prophet, and this false prophet was trying to hinder the word of God from being spoken to a Roman official the proconsul, and, 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 and this Roman official didn't know God. He did, it never showed us in the scriptures that he was a man that would frequent the temples or be around the temples as we would see Cornelius, another Roman official, do. So this man was a bona fide Gentile who wanted to hear the word of God. And this, this sorcerer tried to impede in that effort. But here's the boldness of Paul. It says, being filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul approached this sorcerer and look directly at him and begin to proclaim God and begin to call him out for the errancy of his word. And then it says that, that God's hand was upon him and this, 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 this man became blind and he couldn't see. And the proconsul saw this and was amazed at the word of God. And because of this astonishment of the word of God in which Paul boldly spoke and proclaimed, this man believed. And so today, today, we're going to walk through Acts chapter 13, as I said, starting at the 13th verse through the 42nd verse, and which was referred to as Paul's sermon at Antioch in Pisidia. And this passage is a great example of boldly sharing the gospel. And so that's what this is centered around. We're going to just take a look and see what Paul did because he began to share the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I want to just take a look at Acts 13 and we'll start out with the 13th through the 16th verse. And this is what it says. Now, Paul and his companions set, set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. 
And John left them and returned to Jerusalem, but they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand, he said, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. So look at what just happened here. Paul went and Barnabas went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and they began to hear and listen at the words that were read from the law and the prophets. These are the books that the, that the Jewish people would read and recite and understand. And so they went and took place of this reading. And then as customary, at the end of the reading, those that were learned, brothers, that would get an opportunity to expound or to share or to give a word of encouragement, to share some good news. And so in this case, Paul of the two, because it said it to them, if you look at it, it said, brothers, if you have any word, and immediately Paul threw his hand up. Can you imagine Paul, we have what we know of Paul, he got an opportunity to speak. He said, if you have a word of encouragement, say it. And that's the first thing we see Paul doing. And it's the first thing that we as Christians should be ready to do. When an opportunity presents itself, we should bounce out of our seats like Paul and be ready to share the gospel. And so as we look at it and go on to continue with 17 through 20, this is, what, this is what was said next. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land and as, as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. So I want you to see what Paul is doing here. He's in the Jewish synagogue. They've heard the word being read. Now he gets an opportunity to address the people. And what he does is he begins to talk to them about things that would have been familiar to them. Things that they would have heard and maybe even take, took, taken some proud uh, moments because they were children of God, these Jewish people. And they said, hey, look, this God of Israel chose our fathers and made them great. And, and they're staying in the land of Egypt and he brought them out. And then he took them and let them walk around. And he said he, he put up with them, he cared for them, he took care of them for all of those years. And then he destroyed seven whole nations for them. And so think about this, 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 Paul is leading. Let me tell you what you should already know. And I know when I grew up in the church culture that I knew, grew up, you know, things that were familiar to me, cliches and words that had been spoken. It was a call and response kind of thing that we used to do. And the pastor would preach and we would, yeah, and it would kind of encourage us. And we get, you know, kind of hyped up and the hyperbole around what we knew and what we felt like we had a good grasp on. You know, it kind of brought us into the moment. And I can see Paul kind of em employing some of those same strategies. I'm going to go back and I'm going to remind them of things that are familiar to them, things that they can grasp, hold on and get an understanding about. And so he continued on in Acts 21 through 23. And it says this, they asked for a king and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had, when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king of whom he testified and said, I have found David 
the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. The son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who would do all of my will of this man's offspring. God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. So as I'm watching Paul, think about it again. He's bringing them from the Exodus into the time that they desired a king. Then he said, look, David was the king that was made after God's own heart. They were again, we remember all of these things. And then he began to loosen the line a little bit and he began to focus it where the scriptures that have been written have funneled down from the Old Testament to the current times. And it begins to talk about Jesus this savior that would have come from the line of David, the lineage of David, from David's line of people, his offspring. And he began to talk about this savior from the bloodline of David. Paul continues to build his case for Christ. Now he went on to continue in Acts chapter 13, 23 through 26, and he says this, before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, what do you suppose, who do you suppose that I, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he, no, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I'm not worthy to untie. Brothers and sons of the family of Abraham and those who fear God, to us has been sent this message of salvation. So now he brings them from the past into the very present. These things that he's talking about, this man, John the Baptist, would have been known of some people that were in that room. It wasn't so long ago that John the Baptist was preaching and teaching to be ready for the kingdom of God because it was at hand. He began to tell people that they needed to repent of their sins. John the Baptist was saying, hey, there's someone coming that can forgive us for our sins, those things that we do in our lives, those things, those habits, those hurts, those hangups, those things that we cling on to that are not like God, those things that we cling on to that don't represent the character of the God that we claim to serve. Repent, turn from those things and turn your focus and your attention on God and the salvation that comes through his son Jesus. And so he began to tell him that. And now it reminds me of, of, of a comedian. And this comedian's name is Michael Jr. He is a Christian comedian and he's funny as all outdoors with this kind of like dry humor, this straight, it's just really straight lace. But anyway, Michael Jr. tells of what he calls his comedic strategy. And in that, he says that when, what, what, what would you do is the things that you, you set people up. The setup comes first and then comes the punchline. And so in his case, the setup would be getting people to think and go down a certain way and have everybody in all the flow and thinking and all the eyes directed to a certain thing. And then the punchline comes, which shakes up the whole basket and turns people to something completely different. That's the shock. That's the awe. That's where the funny comes in. And then he talked about it in terms of what we do or what we have an opportunity to do in our faith. See, we can begin to share 
our hearts about what God has done in our lives. We can begin to share things that we know have happened with us. We can share uh, the benefits of being in relationship with God. And a lot of people want to hear and understand what the benefits are. Man, like, you know, you got people that can be in your life. They'll be good friends to you. They'll help support you when things are hard in your life. You know, um, you can go to church and be fulfilled and get uplifted in your spirits, be raised high. And you can go in feeling bad and you can leave feeling good. And man, it's a great place to go to be encouraged. It gives you the strength strength to make it through the week. You know, people want to hear those things. They want to understand that there is some ease that can go on with being a believer. There's, there's some benefits to going to church. There's some benefits to collecting, uh, uh, worshiping together. There's some benefits of praise and worship and singing. And so people can get in that mode and get in that flow and begin to think that that's all it's about that I come in on Sunday, that I receive great worship, that I listen on my radios and on my TVs of the word being spoken and I can be encouraged. And then that's the end of it. I consume, I consume, I get, and I benefit from it. And that's fine because we want people to understand that, but here's the punchline. When we pull the punchline, it's not always about us. The punchline makes people move from a certain direction and it brings them into the funny. It allows the person that pulled the punchline to receive the benefit of seeing the reaction. For us as believers, when we began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that he died on the cross for our sins, that there was some pain and that there was some suffering that was done on our behalf. And not because he wanted to get any acclaim for that, but because his father God loved him so much and he knew that he was pure of heart. He knew that there was no sin in him, but he would take on sin and he would take on shame on our behalf so that not only we would benefit here on this earth, but that we would have life eternal with him. And if we continue on, Acts chapter 13, 13, 27 through 29. For those who live in Jerusalem and their, ruler, and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are, read, which are read every Sabbath. I want to stop right there for a second. For those who live in Jerusalem, these would be the Jewish people, those that would have known about Jesus, those who have heard about Jesus, those that would have known about the life and the, and the miracles and the things that had happened with Jesus. He's addressing them. He said, you who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets. Jesus, this person that, that, that Paul was building up from Exodus through the kings on to the present time through John the Baptist. These people were reading the laws and the Sabbath every Sabbath day, and they still did not recognize Jesus it says that they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath. They fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out what was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. So again, Paul began to pull the punchline here. And as those that were present in the, in the synagogue, after giving them a history lesson of the church and the things that scripture said, 
and that they would have heard repeatedly, that they would have practiced, that would become, you know, somewhat of rote memorization. You know, it's kind of like learning the ABCs, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, sing the whole song, H, I, J, K, and then that famous LMNOP. I don't know what that one particular letter is, but it's like learning that song and not even being able to understand or identify the characters if you were to see them in print. But I know the song. I've said it enough. It's wrote, it's, I have it in my rote memorization, but I don't have it. It has not gone from my head to my heart. And so that's what happens now. Paul is trying to take all of that backstory, all of those benefits, all of those proud moments and tie it into the suffering of Christ and understanding that we can have salvation eternally through this understanding from this head to our heart connections. You know, I talked to a friend of mine and he talked about living on grandmother's prayers is the way he accepted it or the way we talked about it. And maybe your mother's prayer. Some of us have been around church and been around church people and have depended on the prayers of others to get us through. And so Paul is helping reminding them that, yeah, you know the scriptures, but that's just here. How do you look at it when Jesus is amongst you? How do you see the scriptures as it funnels all to Jesus and not see it every Sabbath day? Go and receive, go and hear, go and receive, but not let it permeate your heart. And so that's the part that we as believers, as Paul is doing in this environment, being bold in the proclamation of his faith, reminding people what happened to Jesus, that he chose to die for our sins. But for me, I thank God that the fact that they put him in the tomb was not the end of it. That's just the beginning because God did his work in Jesus in his death, but more importantly, in the resurrection. This is the thing that separates our Christian faith from any other faith is to understand that God allowed his son Jesus, who knew no sin, who knew no wrong, to come as a sacrificial death for me, to pray, to pay for the sins that I have committed, to pray, uh, to pay for the things that I have done that I know causes me distance and separation from God. You know, sometimes we might not even understand this feeling of depression. Sometimes we might not understand this feeling of distance. It's we always, many times we say something is bothering me. I'm not feeling comfortable in my gut is disturbed. I have butterflies, something. That's the Holy Spirit working on our hearts. For those of us that know God and have proclaimed him, he reminds us when we are distant from him. For those that don't know him, he uses it to call them toward him and to be able to look for something that they can have hope in and for. But here's the good part. Again, like I said, it's so good that it wasn't the end that Jesus was put in that tomb. Thank God for that. For thank God for teachers like Paul, when he goes on and he tells us as he continues with this plot twist, and now these people have listened, they're beginning to hear, wait a minute, yeah, we remember about Jesus, I remember what happened, I've heard the stories, I understood these things. Now Paul says this, but God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, and now his witnesses to the people. I love that part right now, right there. Who are now his witnesses to the people? Jesus was raised from the dead. 
He began to show himself to other people to identify him as being raised. And so many people around so many areas saw this now resurrected Jesus. And those people became witnesses for him. For those of us that know of this resurrected Jesus, we too have to be the witnesses for him. And we bring you good news uh, that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. This is God making reference to Jesus. You are my son, today I have begotten you. You have been raised up, today I have begotten you. No more to return to corruption. He has spoken this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessing of David. Therefore, he says also in another Psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption for David after he had served the purpose of God and his own generation fell asleep and was laid in his father's tomb and saw, and, saw, and saw corruption. But he whom God raised did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes in it is freed from everything from which could not be freed by the law of Moses. These things, you could not, they could not find freedom, nor can we find freedom in laws and doing things just so to say we checked the box to do them. If you remember, uh, there was a story of a rich young ruler and, 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 and God, Jesus then asked him, hey, he asked Jesus, how is it that I can obtain eternal life? And Jesus gave him what he was probably hoping to get was a checklist of things that he could say he did. And he said, all of those things I have kept from my youth. All of those things I have had here, I know them and I look at them and I try to do them. And then Jesus, I tell you what, that's great. Go sell everything that you have and come follow me. Come give your allegiance to me. Come put your faith and trust in me. That's what faith is, pistis. It means to put your allegiance, your hope, and your trust in Jesus and in Jesus Christ alone. And that's what we need to be able to understand. It is by this that justification that a person is righteous and acceptable to God. The death of Christ was the payment of our debt of sin. And so now, now we may be forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, all the singing, all the Bible drills, all the Sunday school classes that you've taught or that you've attended, your faithful attendance here at church and even online, all of those things do not bring about forgiveness of sin. We cannot work our way into the presence of God. It is a submission, it is an allegiance that we give over to God. John 3.16 says it like this, God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever puts their faith and trust in him and the work that he did on the cross, that he died for our sins, can have eternal life. That's the grace. There's nothing we can do. It's unmerited favor for God to receive us unto himself that we may be with him for eternity. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, 
not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. He doesn't want us to be able to think that we can just work ourselves into heaven and that it's on our own accord that we can do something. He said it was simply by the grace of God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, that saves us. Now he goes on, Paul does in Acts chapter 13, verse 40 through 41. And he says, beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I'm not for I'm doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells you. He's saying that even those of us that are in church, even those of us that have a relationship with God need to continue in this way. We can't keep this good news to ourselves. I was a victim of that for the majority of my life, 40 some odd years of my learning and becoming close and understanding God and his presence in my own life. I was resting in that. I was very comfortable knowing that I knew God. I was very comfortable that the good news had been shared with me. And that I'd heard and that I received and that my allegiance was to God, that I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior. Man, but for 41 years, I had not seen him as Lord. I had not functioned in allegiance to God. I believe many of us are sitting in the same way. We believe that God has saved us. We are deep and tall in our faith. And that's great. But we have no breath no width, no scope. We have no advancement of the kingdom of God. And that's what Paul has given us the example in this text. Paul, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, being called out to go be on mission for God, did that. He boldly proclaimed it. When he got an opportunity to speak to those Jewish people that had got, have been misguided, that didn't even see that Jesus was the Messiah, he jumped up, he leapt from his seat, he was ready to give the gospel, the good account that Jesus died for us. And for those of us that believe it in our heart and confess it with our mouth that we too can be saved and have eternal life. Paul was ready for that. You know, for, for me, I, I functioned like, uh, like I was on a sports team. I was on the team. I wore the uniform. I, I, I actually was actually a great player, a practice team player. I made certain that the guys that were on the field were sharp. We played. We were practice. This is kind of what God was showing me. Derek, you were on the practice squad. Yes, you benefited the team. Yes, you helped the team get ready. Yes, you know, in your own preparation, you learned the techniques. You, you were able to do the drills and help those that were on the field do better. But see, those that were on the field were actually advancing the ball down the field. Those that were on the field were able to go across the goal line. But even though I did all my part, if I'm standing on the sideline, I cannot score for the kingdom. I had grown deep and tall. I was practiced, I was polished, but I had not been into the game. I have not went and stood next to the coach and say, put me in, coach. I hadn't done that because it wasn't even here in my mind to do. But the Great Commission tells us all, found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. All authority, both in heaven and earth, have been given unto me. This is Jesus talking. He said, therefore, go unto all nations, making disciples of men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And he said, if you do this thing, he's teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. He said, if you do that, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. This whole idea of discipleship begins with the evangelism. It begins with sharing the gospel so that someone that is lost, 
separated from God, doomed to eternal damnation and separation, i.e. what we call hell, separated from God, they have an opportunity to turn it around. They have an opportunity to accept Christ and be baptized and be learned and be taught to obey all that God had commanded. He said, I won't ever leave you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. That's the promise that God gives us that receive him. When we become some spiritually dead to be born again, God says he'll be with us even to the end of the age. If you're listening and you have not taken that opportunity, think about it. I want your mind to be moving in that way. Maybe you're struggling and it's causing you to figure out what is it that I need to do? I don't know uh, of this Jesus that people talk about. I don't know what to do. I don't, I, I, my life is in shambles. I am destitute. I don't know where to turn. I'm offering you Jesus. I'm offering you today the Holy Spirit that comes with knowing and professing and believing in your heart who Jesus is. Understanding that I am or I have been or that you are a sinner and that the only way that you can be reconciled to God is through the belief of the work of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross, that he was buried in a tomb, that he was raised on the third day with all power in his hands. If you can confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart, you're saved. And there's nothing on this earth that will separate you from the goodness of God and that there's nothing on this earth that will not allow you to be in heaven with our Savior, God, and his son, and his son Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Finally, Acts 13, 42 through 44 says this, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogues broke up, many Jews and devout, Christ, um, devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath day, almost the whole city had gathered to hear the word of God. Listen at what just happened. They, the people begged them that they may be told the next Sabbath day. So as we begin to share the good news, this is what happens. This is the reproducible process. After we help them understand who Christ is and they make that choice, now we walk alongside them and we begin to spread the good news of Jesus to the world. It is not meant to be hidden under a bushel. It's been meant to put on a candle stand so that all can see the light and be drawn unto it. There's an urgency there's an urgency where these people begged that they hear the word of God. There is an urgency that we have to do right now. Our political infighting, our race relations, the riots, even the murders that are being convicted, this coronavirus death is taking its toll on us in so many different ways. But God tells us very clearly that he wants us to stop those things. He wants us to stop those fighting and those messages that Satan is causing us to drift away from God. It's urgent that we let people know the good news of Jesus Christ. I'll finish this up with one story. My friend, she shared this story. Her mother, her two brothers all um, uh, contracted the coronavirus. And unfortunately, one of her brothers passed away of it. Her mother had a long extended illness with it and, and, and did not get intubated, but had to go through a suffering. And then her other brother, he did not. He had a very mild situation. But as they were thinking about it, this older brother that had passed knew God. And they were happy and understood that he was with God in heaven right now. 
But then they realized that this other brother who grew up in the same household with them did not potentially did not know God. So they began to ask him questions about his faith. And now they have collectively joined together, she and her mother, and they pray earnestly for her brother. They take opportunity to share the gospel whenever they're in his presence because they don't want him to miss. They don't want him to be separated from God for eternity. We should have that same urgency, people. Our church should have that same urgency. Send the word, the gospel forth into the world. Uh, If you would, bear with me. Let's just pray one second. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for this ministry of reconciliation that you've given us. God, that you have reconciled uh, us to you through through your blood of your son, Jesus Christ. And now, God, you have given us the ministry of reconciliation to go and reconcile others to God and to each other, God, that we may love God and love each other as we love ourselves. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the the abilities that we have uh, in this social media time in this era of online presence that we can share the gospel around the world with just a click. God, I pray that we pick up the phone. I pray, God, that where you will allow that we convene and get together in small pockets, however we do, God, and let us begin to iron, sharpen iron so that when we get an opportunity to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, that we may jump up and shout like Paul did, I'll speak, and that people will hear and come to know you, God. And if you have not received Christ and you want to pray, pray something similar to this. God, I know that I have been a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you. God, but I thank you, God, that you sent your son to die. I've heard my my heart has been pricked. I believe in the death of Jesus. I know I believe that he was buried. I believe that you took in your own power and raised him from the grave. And God, because of that belief, I know that I'm saved. God, and I want to now be in full allegiance to you. I want my heart to be your heart and I want to share your word. I want to be an ambassador for you around the world. I love you, God. We love you in Jesus name. Amen.